Joining us on the line is the Acting Deputy Vice-Chancellor Research and Innovation at the University of KZN, Professor Musa Mushabela. Good morning. More and to your listeners. Thank you very much for your time. When we compare 501y.v2 to the variant found in India, B.1.617, how do they compare? <laughs> I like how you're, you're using the code names for it. I'm um, trying. I'm trying. I'm trying to bring myself to your level. And it's, it's quite high. <laughs> no, that's great. No, I think, I think it's important what you're doing because basically when we call them South African variant and Indian mm. variant, we stigmatize uh, those countries mm. uh, as it was said before. Mm. But so I think the, the issue more firstly is that we, we don't know if this individual has uh, that variant that was reported in India because they could have been affected by a an old variant or they could have been affected by a variant that was uh, circulating in Brazil, P1, because that, that variant is also circulating in India. So we don't know for sure which variant they have until we have done the genomic studies. Uh, but having said that, I think that there is certainly concern that some of this uh, variants that are found in different parts could be transmitted through um, the sort of, uh, you know, aeroplanes into and introduced into our context or the way, the same way people were concerned that the, the variant that was circulating here, the 351, mm. could have been taken to another, another context. Mm. So it's something that we have to watch out for and keep monitoring. But uh, the 617 is a little bit concerning because in a way, one part of the mutation uh, is similar to the one that we have here, that we found that it makes the the variant more transmissible. And the, it's got a, a second mutation that was found in uh, uh, California that also is a little bit more concerning. I can say that in summary, mm. we can say that uh, this one is, a, is about 20% more concerning than the ones that we've had before. Basically, from the reports that we that we are aware of, sure. especially compared sure. to the one in Brazil, hmm. which were studied there. Hmm. What are the indications so far in as far as which vaccine would be sort of efficient or sufficient for that variant? Yeah, it's so interesting. That's a very good question. So I think so far what we are saying is that, firstly, the same prevention measures that are being used can be used. You know, we know in South Africa we were able to bring down 501v2 without any vaccine uh, to control them, just with control measures. That's one thing. The second thing is in terms of in terms of vaccines, we expect that the vaccines will work as far as preventing severe disease and death is concerned. The same way we kind of responded to the variants here, but there is concern that um, if someone is vaccinated, they can still get an infection, mm-hmm. even though that infection is not going to cause them any serious disease that requires hospitalization or that can lead to death. So we call them breakthrough infections. So that's that's the concern at the moment. But to be honest, we don't know for sure. These are, you know, emerging information that we are still kind of monitoring. Mm-hmm. Because one of the other concerns, Prof, will be, around how many other people um, this individual that traveled from India may have been in contact with exactly. and whether they were at risk. So, I mean, as a public, you know, is, is, are we correct in this sort of uh, sense of concern and, and, and fear that we have? Or is it something that can be managed once we understand exactly how many people are involved here? 
Yeah, I think uh, at this moment, I I think it's interesting. It's something, you know, interesting to follow, to understand, to listen to, but really nothing of concern. It shouldn't be anything of concern at this point. Uh, You know, uh, we have come a long way with COVID. We know a lot more than we did a year ago. I think for a lot of people, it brings back the memory of the 5th of March in in 2020. But Mm -hmm. we are not there. We've come a long way. And and also, I think right now we know what to do. This person has been isolated. They're tracing contacts, and they will be able to find all the people that they were in contact with. And those systems and processes have become a little bit more efficient, if I may say so. Mm. So I don't think that we should worry. Let's just observe and monitor and then uh, check the news and then the, the surveillance, and then we can share those findings as we know more. Speaking of surveillance, so many other countries have found themselves, you know, face to face with the third wave going under mm-hmm. lockdown. And as a South African, I mean, yeah, we, one can't help but be anxious about the possibility of a third wave and how soon um, that might happen. Just your thoughts around that and your observations, Prof. Yeah, no, um, absolutely. I think that the third wave is something that we we predicted a while ago that mm-hmm. it will probably happen. Just looking at the patterns and, and some modeling indicate that uh, that was done by the National Institute of Communicable Diseases, that it may not be as worse as the second wave, but all of it, all of it depends on the behavior of, of, mm-hmm. of people in South Africa, all of it. And also because the vaccination, we don't have a lot of coverage of vaccination. So in India, they've already vaccinated more than 10% of the population. We don't, we haven't even reached mm. 2%. But you can see that they're having a devastating wave. So the vaccination itself at this point is not going to protect us. Mm. So we're going to depend a lot on the usual prevention measures. And if people can wear masks, continue with hygiene, uh, not engage in gatherings, um, try and spend meat outside. You know, the, the usual that we know, those are the things that are going to protect us.